0: Amen. So here we are on chapter uh, f- fifteen. We've gotten about halfway through it, and um, uh, I think we got all the way up to verse seventeen. This is my command: love each other. You know, I mean, wow, what a you know what a what a theme. You know, I mean, this is just so many times God tells us to love each other. And I one time I just read all the times that God told us. To love each other. And there's so many of them. It's it gets kind of ridiculous, especially to think that. Why does he have to keep telling us that? You know, well, we know that answer. We know it's we know it's hard. It's hard to love each other. We know we get in each other's way and we we you know do things that that just make it difficult. And sometimes we're not that lovable. And and yet God loves us, praise God, and he calls us to the same, to do the same with each other. I love telling the church. You know, you don't have a choice. You have to love me. It's not it's not optional. <laughs> it's commanded by Jesus. But I also have to love you. So that's also not optional. So it all works out pretty good for all of us. Um so as we continue here uh John chapter 15, uh we get right into uh, it it really does shift here and it it kind of gets hotter here in terms of the topic in terms of the seriousness of of what we're talking about. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember that I told what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they are persecute, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sins. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated me, both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. So Jesus launches into a discourse about hatred. And, you know, that's always a tough subject. Uh, Nobody wants to be hated. Nobody wants to be persecuted. Nobody wants to be looked down on. And, And yet that's exactly what he says is coming. And it's part of counting the cost of being a Christian because uh, Christianity really is countercultural, and it goes against the norms of society. It goes against what people believe and allow and accept. And in many ways, you know, Paul Paul says that one of the most powerful statements to somewhere the stench of lie of death. You know that that's that's how bad. Some people react towards Christianity. You have to keep in mind, uh, remind us again that that the Gospel of John was written late in the first century, probably the mid 90s. And, and by this time, Christianity's already been outlawed. It's already been identified as a different and distinct religion from Judaism. And we you know at the beginning Christians could kind of blend in with Judaism, which was an accepted religion in the Roman empire. But by this time, the Jews of an essence have kicked out the Christians and made sure everybody knew that the Christians are not with them. You know, those teachers people wear I'm with him, they wrote, they made teachers that I'm not with them, you know, and they're not with us. Basically they, they made it very clear that Christians were not of the same group. And, and, and by this time, probably the school of Jamnia, which was a school that was started by Pharisees, after the fall of the temple, was already picking up speed. Uh, that that started in AD 70 when the temple fell. And by that time, there's a growing teaching against Christianity, against anybody who follows Jesus. So the, the Christians are, in a sense, they're out there on their own. We're getting writings about them. They're being hated. They're being uh, under suspicion. Romans in general just didn't like anything that would rock the boat, anything that would would cause problems anywhere in the empire. I mean, the, it took everything they had, a huge army, you know, a, at great expense to keep the empire Pax Romana, you know, under control. So, yes, they were control freaks. They wanted everything under control. And in the middle of that, up comes this religion, where people don't want to worship or make sacrifices to Caesar, where they hear these weird things about him that are being said—that uh, they're cannibals because they eat the blood and the flesh of their leader, uh, that they marry their sisters, their ancestral—they have these gatherings they call agape feasts that sound a lot like a lo- you know a love feast, basically sounds a lot like something orgy or something. And, and so all these rumors are flying about Christians and, and people are generally highly suspicious of them and don't like them. Okay. So, so Jesus knows that this is the world they're going to come into. John writes this in late, late, you know, in the mid nineties. So he's referring back and he's reminding us, Jesus warned us of this. This is what Jesus was telling the apostles the night before that it would be difficult just because you're righteous just because you're holy just because you do things right does not mean people are going to love you <laughs> does not mean that people are going to like you they're going to misinterpret the things you say they're going to misunderstand your 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 events and and what you're trying to do and not to mention you know Jesus had also said that he came to bring a sword, where a father will turn against his son, and a, and a and a daughter against her mother, and and the, there was definitely family division. We know about that. We have writings where families half the family was Christian, half the family was not, or the wife becomes a Christian, the husband doesn't, and he's suspicious and angry, and and so Christians also had the reputation of tearing families apart, right? um probably the 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 modern term that is used is cult is you know because once you say the word cult people ooh they get scared of brainwashing families being torn apart people being told what to believe and controlled and that's basically what was being said about the early christians that they were a radical sect they didn't have the word cult really the word cult is is was applied to all religions that was that was a religion, a cult was a religion. And now it's pride, especially since uh, Jim Jones and other weird groups that have gone crazy, um, that has become increasingly kind of a, a, it's a raw nerve word. It's a, it's a bomb word. It's an explosive term. As soon as you say someone's in a cult or somebody's a cult, woo, all of a sudden all the red flags pop up, Right because those that are dangerous sex really can be that but that is but but we have to understand that is how the early church was looked at that's how it was seen it was so countercultural and I'll, and I'll tell you this and I think that in many ways we're headed back there um you know I mean it, it, it we we have been warned <laughs> uh uh woe to you and all men speak well of you you know that that's not a good thing that we're not being persecuted you know, anyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. This is what the Bible says. So, so really, we ought to stop and think, why aren't I being persecuted? Why aren't we being persecuted? Are we not preaching the truth? Are we shrinking back? Have we become too much uh, acceptable socially? Are we too quiet about our religion? Are we secret Christians? You know, which in reality, there's no such thing as a secret Christian. Because by the very nature of being, following Jesus... And he says this, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the, uh, it would love you as its own, as is, as is you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. So he has called us out of the world. He's chosen us from the world to be with him. And, you know, John makes it very clear. We talked about this at the very beginning, the the, the light and darkness battle the evil versus good. John was acutely aware of this. And it's the picture he painted. And I think it's a very important picture for us to understand, for us to realize, because there's a part of us that we want to be acceptable. We want want people to respect us. and, And, you know, we think about, well, aren't we supposed to be known for love? Why are we known for being weird? You know, and the early church could have said that. And I think the reality in my experience is, is somebody who really knows the church and has real uh, knowledge of the church, that is their, their, what they know. That is people who really know, know the church is incredibly loving. People who don't really know the church, they're the ones that hear all this weird stuff, this crazy stuff, and they're going to be down on the church. You know, when I, when, when, when I went to church the very first time, To the church where I became a Christian, the congregation where I became a Christian, they had picketers out front. And I'll never forget, I was, we were a couple of blocks away and the, and the friend, you know, Jeff Chacon, who took me to church, he said, Oh, by the way, we have picketers. And because I was involved in radical politics and protests and marches, rallies, my first thought was, Whoa, these people must be radical about their Christianity. I had already thought, and I think the Holy Spirit put this in my head that anybody who really followed the Bible would be countercultural. Anybody who really followed the Bible would be radical, and probably some people would hate them. Because it wouldn't be like the religion that I grew up seeing, which was all about rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. And it wasn't about really caring for other people and serving the poor and helping widows and orphans. and, And the things that I thought that I really appreciated about Jesus were not what I saw in religion. And and I always thought, if somebody really followed religion, it'd be radically different. So when he said that, and I said, and we pulled up, and sure enough, there was people out there with signs, picketing signs saying, it's called, you know, stay away, you'll get brainwashed. Um, I thought, whoa. So either these people are the real thing, or they're just a bunch of wackos. And that was my first thought. And I'll never forget my first sermon. Totally God setting me up the sermon was the radical call of Jesus, the the call of discipleship. And I was like, I'm in, this is it. Jesus is my Lord. I wanna follow him. I mean, I was just so blown away and inspired by Jesus that I wanted in. But I knew that somebody would pick at me and somebody would be after me. And even the fact that I was changing traditions, that I was going from a very traditional upbringing as a Catholic family, to a non-denominational Christian group was so radical. I basically got kicked out of my family, my family, uh, certain people, not my whole family, certain people were very angry at me. Didn't didn't want me home. My mom was actually very supportive because she was afraid of the political junk I was in. So she was all too happy to see me get out of that and devote myself to religion. And I remember she asked me, you know, do they brainwash you? And I said, I told her, I said, well, my brain's pretty filthy, so it really needs some washing. So don't worry. They're not going to make me shave my head and walk around, knocking, you know, selling flowers at the airport or something. I, I, you know, I got my brain turned on, but I am learning and cleaning up my act. That's what I'm doing. I'm changing. I'm becoming like Jesus. And she loved that. I mean, she, she loved that. I got a letter two days after she died that she had mailed to me. And she told me two things. She said, one, stay in that church, and two, marry your girlfriend, Michelle. So I obeyed. I've stayed in the church, and I've married my girlfriend, Michelle. And it's been awesome. Two biggest blessings in my life. But, you know, he says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So we got to stop and think, okay, if I'm not getting heat for my faith, Am I really preaching my faith? Am I really living it out? I mean, he said a student will become like his teacher, right? So we, we've really got to check ourselves here. This is one of those points where, okay, am I one of those people that all men speak well of me? Is everybody happy with me? Then, am I, then I'm not really following Jesus, bottom line. And he says, now, now let me say this. I, there's a caveat here that I have to say because I've heard this before. Uh, example, student comes in I find out he's not doing well in school, he's getting D's and I ask him, dude, what's going on why are you getting D's oh, it's my teachers, they're persecuting me well, are you doing your homework well, I've been late on this, I've been late on that and no, I didn't get this paper turned in okay, that's not persecution All right, or being a jerk you know, (laughs) well, I you know, I told them they're all going to hell and now they don't like me Okay, wait a second. Is that what Jesus did? Okay, in other words, what I'm saying is it should be persecution for the right reasons because we stand up against lies, because we, 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 we stand up against sin, because we believe in what's right, because we believe what's in the Bible, even if it's not popular. We preach the truth, even when people don't want to hear it. I don't mean that we badger and condemn and judge everybody. The three big sins of sin... Of Christianity, legalism, judgmentalism, and what's the third one? I forgot the third one. Judgmentalism, legalism, self-righteousness. Okay, those are the three big sins. Those are not why we should be persecuted. Okay, that's not persecution. That's probably God disciplining us. But persecution is when you do what's right and the world reacts negatively. And, And that will happen. That's what Jesus is saying. And I think honestly, you know, we now live in the post Christian era. Most of us watching this video became Christians in the last gasps of the Christian era. And now we're in the post Christian era and Christianity is not popular anymore. It's not widely worldwide accepted. It's under suspicion. It's not trusted. People don't want to go to churches. People don't trust preachers. What there was once upon a time when you said, Hi, I'm a I'm a minister. People, ooh, they t- highly respected you. Today, I say I'm a minister. They look at me like, hmm, you know, what are you up to really, you know? And and they, that's just the way the world feels about religion. So that's a, it's a very different world we live in, which in some ways is great because we get to redefine Christianity. Now, there's going to be some things the world will not accept, and especially anything to do with sin. And and so if we stand up against sin, we're going to get persecuted. So that's that's just the way it is. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. You know, he's basically letting them know don't don't worry about it. You know, they they're, they're going to follow. They're going to obey. People will do what's right. You know, the 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 truth is, you know, the 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 first my first what four years of being a Christian. I went to a church that was picketed every Sunday. That church grew explosively. When I became a member of it, it was probably about 230 members. When I left, it was about 700 members. And that church was doing great. It was, I would say, spiritually strong, healthy, dynamic. It was an awesome church. But yes, it preached the Bible. And yes, it challenged false doctrines and lies that are out there about being a Christian and about what our religion is. And particularly, I'll tell you, the one area people do not like to be challenged about is hypocrisy. And it's inter- it's an interesting thing. When you look at, even look at Jesus, who persecuted Jesus? Was it the Romans? No. We say, well, didn't the Romans crucify him? They crucified him because they had to, to follow their own laws. Who pushed for him to be crucified? It was the It was the religious leaders of the day. The groups that have the hardest time with real authentic Christianity are other religious groups because authentic Christianity inherently condemns false Christianity. You know, you point out the hypocrisy. I mean, there's there's not a lot of times that Jesus gets really angry. There's a few, right? We can all picture the scene going into the temple court and him flipping tables. Why? Hypocrisy. Matthew 23, the seven woes. Woe to you. Jesus lays them out about their sinful life. No. Samaritan woman, sinful life. He's compassionate. Woman caught in adultery, sinful life. He's compassionate. Heroes in his story of the good Samaritan, not even a Jew, not even a God worshiper. He's compassionate. The prodigal son, compassion. Wait, Jesus was so compassionate with sinners. Who did he get mad at? Religious leaders. That's who he got mad at. He lays into them. He says, woe to you, you brood of snakes and vipers. It's what he calls them. You know, the, the, the leader of their country. He says, you tell that fox. You know, I mean, that was not politically correct. He just laid it out. Why? Because these were spiritual leaders or supposedly spiritual leaders, and they were not they were hypocrites and and god hates hypocrisy jesus hate, hated hypocrisy that's not why we should be persecuted of course not right it's because of our righteousness that we should be persecuted and so he says he says they will treat you this way because of my name for they do not know the one who sent me if i had not come and spoken to them they would not be guilty of sin but now they have no excuse for their sin and he's, you know, he's absolutely talking about the religious leaders that are pers- that are going to persecute them. And he says, whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. So he's he's laying it out about all these people that are going to persecute him. And, and we know, we know because we're off in the future looking backwards, who persecuted the early church? Religious leaders. Now, later on the Roman Empire officially persecuted them and went after them. And they they were pulled in to some of the most horrible persecutions that you'll ever hear about. Um, he says, but this is to fulfill what is written the law in their law. They hated me without reason. Whose law? Just to be clear of who we're talking about. This is the Old Testament law. So he's talking about the Jews, the religious leaders, and he's talking specifically about the Jews who chose not to follow him. Because remember, many Jews chose to follow him. And the early church was Jewish. So so I'm saying that because this can't be an anti-Jew thing. It's not. Jesus was a Jew. All his early followers were Jews. The early church was Jewish. The vast majority of early Christians, the first, you know, X amount of time of the church was Jewish. Um, but these were Jews who rejected him. So let's just say religious leaders that rejected. And basically because of their hypocrisy. You want to get somebody really angry, uh, in somebody religious, you challenge them about their hypocrisy. That's what makes them mad. I've had people throw Bibles at me. I've had people spit at me. Because I challenged them on their hypocrisy. Because I showed them they were wrong. And I showed them what their, I compared their life to. You know, it's, it's, and this is the crazy thing. Today's world hypocrisy is totally normal in the religious world. I, I, I was moving one of my moves from one house to another and had four guys come to help load up the furniture. And, um, and my wife went with the car and I rode with them in the truck. And so I'm in the truck and they're talking about a party and this girl that they slept with and. I think a couple of guys had slept with the same girl and it was just like oh my gosh and I'm sitting there real quiet and then one of them and I'm thinking okay how do I change this conversation and and literally one of them right then goes so what do you do and I said well I'm actually a minister and it got boom quiet all of a sudden and then the next guy goes hey I'm a christian I go to such and such church and he goes, and then the other guy goes, yeah, me too. And then they're all, whoa, they're all Christians. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is not at all following the life of Jesus. This is totally living to the world and living by the world's standards. But see, this is a common place in our world right now. People call themselves Christians and believe whatever they want. And, and, and practice whatever they do. And don't you dare point out their hypocrisy because then you're judging them. And that is not judging them. Actually, the apostle Paul said, I don't judge the world. I judge those in the church. You know, that, 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 that is who needs to be judged because we do need to say something about that because as Christians, obviously we're supposed to set an example. Obviously people should be able to look at us and see God, not Satan. They should look at us and see Jesus, not the devil. So, so anyways, you know, and he says, this is to fulfill the law. So Jesus warns us it's going to get tough. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get hard. And then we'll close out with this last paragraph. It says, when the advocate comes, and now he's, he's going to, this is going to open up a whole nother line of thinking and teaching. The advocate. Okay. And that's a good translation the paraclete the the one who will come alongside and help us he says when the advocate comes whom i will send to you from the father the spirit of truth who goes out from the father he will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been you have been with me from the beginning so the spirit will help testify about jesus the spirit of truth, okay, there's truth in Jesus. Every The things that Jesus said, we know are true. We know they're right. And the fact that he rose from the dead, that is the truth. You cannot get away from that. And he will help us to testify for that. But not only um, is he going to help us, but this is our job is to testify or to be a witness to Jesus, a witness of Jesus. I know we weren't the ones there when he rose from the dead. We weren't the ones there when he when He fed the 5,000. But we have the gospel, so we know that it happened. And we have our own personal testimony. This is why testimony, personal testimonies are so important because people can't deny that. Every time I give my personal testimony, the full version, somebody comes up and wants to study the Bible or somebody comes up and shares how how this is helping them so much. This gives them hope because they're struggling. Well, I know I've got kind of a radical, crazy story, so it helps other radical, crazy people. But everybody's testimony relates to somebody. Everybody's testimony helps somebody out there. And it helps everybody in the sense that they see a real living example of how Jesus can change us and how he can bless our lives. So that ends the... um Chapter fifteen, and um, and a lot of good stuff. I mean, believe it or not, there's a whole bunch of other things we could have talked about. No time, but um, but that that's good. That's that's one layer deep. There's about seven more layers, but there's that's one layer deep about what's happening and what 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 was behind this discourse. So have a great Memorial Day. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm just looking here. All right, looks like we're done. So we'll see you. Wednesday. All right. Wednesday morning. And uh, I'll give you more details when we roll out the leadership class and we roll out these other classes. But we'll see you Wednesday morning and we'll tackle chapter 16. God bless you and have a great Memorial Day. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us by going to study.laicc.net, and we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.